Welcome to episode 14, my conversation with Rachel from Cuyahoga Falls. This is the Straight Up Gay Podcast. Welcome to the show. I am Major, your host for the Straight Up Gay Podcast, where I have conversations with people about their experiences related to the LGBTQ community. This podcast is dedicated to learning more about LGBTQ people by having personal conversations and sharing those experiences. Keep in mind, this show is free of cursing, but we may have conversations about human sexuality and topics related to sex and gender that may result in awkward questions from young children. If you're not prepared to answer those questions, turn back now. Today is March 26, 2017, and I'm speaking with Rachel... Rachel is a lesbian, cisgender woman. She's in a long-term relationship, currently living in Cuyahoga Falls, and she's a full-time underwriter. She works in an office environment. We're going to learn all about her life today. We're going to get to know about how she discovered she was a lesbian and, and those experiences, and we're just going to get to know all about Rachel today. Um, just a side note, I Rachel isn't a complete stranger to me. I actually am... I would say friends, I guess what I would say would be friends would be an appropriate assumption or a, a, an appropriate label for I knew her mother. I was actually a, a student of hers in college back in Ohio when I lived in Ohio, and uh, she was my English teacher for a semester. And so uh, when I told my old professor about the show that I started, she's like, oh, my daughter's a lesbian. You should talk to her. And so I said... <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure. Let's do that. That'll be good. So we, she got us in contact with each other. And so Rachel's on the show with us today. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It's fun to be here. Yeah. Always glad. <laughs> so I gave a little introduction there and I just kind of gave everyone the 40,000 foot, you know, the basic demographics of who you are. So can you maybe fill that in a little bit? Give us just a quick overview of who you are and what you're all about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm 25, uh, and I, like you mentioned earlier, I'm, you know, in an office, but that's, you know, boring. So, um, I am kind of into, um, I'm big into music. I always have been, um, play a lot of different instruments, stuff like that. Uh, like to sing, write music occasionally, um, super into collecting film, um, big movie enthusiast and, uh, like to, you know, dabble in the PlayStation 4 occasionally as well. But, you know, so I'm your standard run of the mill nerd, but <laughs> you are um, in good company. I am a nerd as well. I, well, then, I like my video games. We'll be just fine. <laughs> as, a, as a matter of fact, I want to preview just a little bit coming up. So just the other day I was on, um, the D one P cast, which is the day one patch guys. Uh, they, they run a, um, uh, an online forum for video games and stuff. Oh, sure. And they do a podcast and they had me guest host their podcast with them uh, just the other night. And so their episode is out. So I guest hosted that, but they're going to be coming on my show soon. And we're going to be talking about uh, the cross section between video games and LGBT or the LGBT community. So um, if you're interested in games and video games and stuff like that, you should definitely listen to that episode. If yeah, you want to it should be fun. That's super cool. I think we're going to try and do a call-in show. I'm using my air quotes because we're on audio here. But um, if you uh, want to call in and maybe put in your input for that, if you're a big gamer and you think you can contribute, we'll, we're going to do it on Skype here just like we are now. So I'll try to set up a call-in. Hopefully it works okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, All right, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I'll, if that, if you're into that, um, I'll let you know. I'll give you the info of when to call call in air quotes again. All right. But uh, so I'm um, sorry to interrupt, but that seemed like oh, a no. good time to uh, 
to plug that upcoming episode <laughs> to, to kind of tease it for the audience there. So please continue. Tell us the rest about yourself. Um, you know, like I, like I said, I, I, uh, I'm making the movies. So, um, it's funny. I'm actually not so much into the going out to the movies, but you know, be kind of compulsively collecting the movies. <laughs> so I'm the kind of person that the, you know, is like, head, you know, head first into a uh, $5 movie bin if I can find something good. And, you know, that's just, I, I love to read, especially a huge fan of uh, any kind of dystopian novel and authors and like a lot of uh, historical fiction um, or, you know, really anything in history. Uh, in college, I was a religious studies major and I kind of spanned all from Eastern religions, you know, so like, uh, you know, you see a lot of Buddhism, um, Sufism, Hinduism, Spanning over to, you know, your Abrahamic religions, and I'm there I am using my air quotes as well um, that no one can see. <laughs> but um, so, you know, that would be like your Islam, Judaism and Christianity. So um, and then I was a history minor and French minor. So a little bit of foreign language here and there. And um, yeah, I mean, I still am pretty passionate about that type of thing, too. So I, I spent a lot of time reading a lot of books by uh, some of the authors that I read in college and then expounding upon that as well. But yeah, that's kind of kind of me. Okay, that's pretty interesting. So I, I've never met a religious study. You're, that was your major? Yeah, that was my major. And so what did you hope to do with that? Because you're an underwriter now, right? Or you work in underwriting. <laughs> right. And um, I don't know that religious majors or religious studies majors comes in um, beneficial in the underwriting business. I could be wrong, um, but well, it doesn't seem that way. <laughs> in my particular line of underwriting, it has absolutely nothing to do, of course, with my day in and day out. What I really had hoped, it's actually kind of funny, What I when I started out as a, a, a student in college, I just kind of, as a freshman, I had, I, I had no idea what I wanted to do at all. All I knew was that I was going to college and my mom was having it no other way. And that was fine by me. So um, I just kind of showed up and started taking classes. We'll probably, um, well, I'm sure we'll touch on this later, but my, my dad is or was a Baptist minister and he's a rather conservative fellow. So I wanted to be able to have like a leg to stand on whenever I could because, you know, me being on the far left end of the, the spectrum of things, I like to be able to have discourse with my dad, but also be able to kind of challenge him. <laughs> and so there was this class on the Gospel of John, and I just was like, I'm going to find out what this is all about and kind of learn from a um, an academic standpoint rather than a personal standpoint because all my involvement with the, with, you know, with the church was uh, – Anyway, I'm kind of going off on a, uh, down a rabbit no, hole. No, no, but... please continue. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, it's fine. Uh, what it was for me was that it almost was like this rebellious thing, you know, like I'm going to learn about I'm going to learn about religion so I can kick my dad's butt in a conversation or you know something of that nature. And the next thing I know, I'm like, this is really fun. Um, and so I, I remember kind of talking to my mom about it, and she and I both went to the same college, so that was kind of neat. And I was able to say, you know, like, what are your thoughts? You know, I'm at this I'm at this private liberal arts school, and you know, none of the majors are that appear to be useful appeal to me. And she's like, well, study what you like. And if you have a bet and, and in this, you know, in my age bracket, it's just like, you just need to have the piece of paper, you need to have the bachelor's degree. So I just decided I was just going to study what I wanted to study and get enough credits to give me a major and get me graduated and give me the piece of paper one day. And so I just started studying everything I possibly could about religion, whether that be Christianity from an, you know, from a historical perspective or just kind of, especially in the West, we don't really typically know a whole lot about Eastern religions, right? I mean, because we don't really expose them. So I just was like totally engulfed in Buddhism specifically just because uh, it's, it's funny because it's so different from Christianity, but it's so like Christianity that I just was kind of like 
I was like, this vexes me greatly because <laughs> I was, you know, you know, just perplexed. And, um, but I, you know, that it, it turned into a fascination. And so, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up studying religion. But then, you know, for me it, right now, at least in my point in my life, the company that I work for is a great company to work for. So I find it kind of a good opportunity to, I don't want to say educate because that comes off facetious, but I, I mean it in a sense of like, in an office environment where you pretty much, you know, you're a bunch of de- you know, desk jockeys, you get an opportunity to have a conversation, you know, because you're in the same cube with someone for, you know, six-ish hours, and you got to have stuff to talk about sometimes when the phone's not ringing. So now I get to have those conversations with people, and I continue to study. And, and so th- in a way, it's kind of really cool being in an office environment that has nothing to do with what I did in college, because that gives me an opportunity to, you know, sneak my way into those conversations. Right. Yeah. So it's really fun for me because, uh, you know, it, and, and anyone who works an office job knows it can be just misery some days because it's just the same thing over and over again. So anytime I have an opportunity to spark it up with a little bit of a unique conversation, I, I try to. So, yeah, I, I just kind of studied what I wanted to as, you know, as much of a feather in the wind as that sounds, but it's true. And I just kind of landed on religious studies. And then when I landed on religious studies, I, you know, like I was saying with, especially with, you know, the Western religions, I was more interested in studying from a historical context. So then I started studying history, specifically, whether it be world history or, you know, United States history or, okay. um, et cetera. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. I, I had never met anyone who was a religious studies major. As a matter of fact, um, I think in le- the only thing I've really ever even heard of as far as religious studies would be a theology type of degree. And that's usually in one religion. Right. And so, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and typically what you, I mean, there's, there's the two types of people that, and, and again, this is air quotes, you know, you see stereotypical people who study religion and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just the people that typically are religious studies majors are either be studying religion because they want to pursue their masters in divinity. Eventually, you know, they want to be a, uh, they want to go into ministry in some capacity. And then there's usually the folks who are, you know, like your yoginis who are super into Buddhism already. And then, <laughs> you know, and just want to continue uh, that knowledge, you know. Nice. Okay. Um, and I was kind of a rare breed because I didn't really have any interest in really doing much anything with it other than maybe eventually teaching if I did go back and get my master's. And be like, in um, your face, dad. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's how it totally started, too. Like, I wanted to be like, ha I know stuff now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know things. Okay. Yeah, I know things and stuff, so we can have an argument. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really interesting. I'm, I'm glad you shared about that. I, I was interested to know more when, uh, when you said that. And so um, moving on. One of the things I ask in the beginning, I, so I have a pre-interview questionnaire. I had to make a new one, and you filled out the new one here for me. Uh, some of my previous guests in the last few episodes, something happened to my pre-interview questionnaire form where some of the questions got deleted, and I couldn't get them back. So I had to create a new one, and you filled out the new one. So hopefully um, you didn't find it too cumbersome because I made it a, a bit more segmented. But um, So you don't really adhere to any one religion. Like you said, you're a religious studies major. So you've heard the a previous episode and, and you know that I'm an atheist. Would you consider yourself an atheist or do you still follow a religion or any, I mean, do you even have your own personal in which you kind of have made a hybrid of all of the others or? Yeah. You know, I wrote this really long winded thing once because someone asked me what I believed in and I was feeling whimsical. Um, <laughs> and I, I mean, I could read it if I could unearth it. I wouldn't consider myself an atheist because I'm too noncommittal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I consider myself, um, I consider myself agnostic and that's only because of my, uh, studies in 
I studied religion long enough and continue to study religion long enough that I, because there's so much, how do I want to put this? There's a lot of merit to a lot of different religions. And there's a lot of things that, you know, whether it be the ritual side that, you know, ritual, uh, ritualistic aspect that I don't agree with, or whether it be certain components of, you know, uh, different texts that I don't necessarily agree with. I, I'm one of those people that says, I, while I don't think that there's like this invisible man in the sky watching everything you do, I also can't disprove that <laughs> per se. I'm one of those people that's like, I don't want to I don't want to have the audacity and not necessarily, and that that's not necessarily a, I don't want to have the, I don't have the wherewithal to say there's no way or there is definitely, this is how it is. And that can go in either direction. And I honestly, I, I, I commend people that are, I mean, I commend atheists because that's a hard stance, just like I commend uh, Christian uh, Christianity and Christians who have strong faith. I don't have that kind of thing in me. I don't know what, and that's just a personality thing. I think I just, I'm not going to boldly declare that there is a God and I'm not going to boldly declare that there isn't not to say that you shouldn't, but that's just not who I am. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, definitely. I get what you're saying. Uh, I really hate to break it to you, but you are an atheist. (laughs) (laughs) Based on what you said, you may not call yourself one, but I, I think maybe you might have a bit of a misunderstanding. So atheists don't really say there is no God. Okay. Or, you know, your God is fake. Or, well, actually, we would say, I lack a belief in the God that you specify, right? So, like, if I were to say, do you believe in Thor as a real God? <laughs> well, I mean, right, no. No, right? So, you're an atheist when it comes to Thor. What about the, um, the Ra, the sun god of ancient Egypt, right? Do, do you believe that that's a real God? I mean, I, I, I follow your key. I follow your key, yeah. Right, yeah. So, I hate to break it to you. You may not use the label, but you're an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> But that's a side. You don't have to accept the label. You know, we don't really care. But uh, I get, I get where you're coming <laughs> no, from. That one of my other friends has uh, said that to me before too. And it's, and it's not that I necessarily have take issue. I mean, I called myself agnostic, so I don't know why I don't just use the word atheist if that's really what it means. Maybe I'm just uh, a curmudgeon. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, for me, to be honest, uh, I, I don't want to. Um, divert the conversation too far, but when I first decon when I first deconverted, it was hard for me to use the label too. I think when I, the more I think about it, I don't think that I ever really believed in a god. I kind of was just doing what believers do because that's what everybody did. Yeah. And so when I, I prayed, I never heard God talk back to me. I never felt the spirit air quotes there. You know, I never right. felt any sort of influence, and so I felt like. Well, I'm just not trying hard enough or I'm just oh, not. Oh, I totally get the not trying hard enough thing. Yeah. yeah. And so, but then when I met a friend of mine, I had been doubting for a long time, you know, and for a while I called myself agnostic and then I ran into a friend of mine and he told me, oh, he's like, well, I'm an atheist. I'm like, really? You're an atheist? And we kind of got to talking and the more I thought about it, you know, and talked with him, he didn't really, really the only one thing was he asked me this one question. It was about, you know, why are you still believing kind of thing? And I was like, well, Mm -hmm. it was more basically like what they call, um, Pascal's wager. Okay. Right. Where it's, are you familiar with Pascal's wager? I, I, you should probably elaborate. So I know for sure. Yeah. So Pascal's wager, there was uh, blaze Pascal back in the day. He made this statement about, you know, it's, it's better to believe and be wrong than to not believe. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So, cause if I believe and I'm wrong, well, at least I've lived a faithful life and a good person. Whereas if you believe, if you don't believe and you're wrong, your punishment is hell. And, and right. it's, it's a false dichotomy, really. It's saying that the only two choices are to believe and not believe, but the, it, it fails to recognize the belief in the proper God, right? Because 
if the God Allah is the right God and you're praising Jesus, right. then, well, now you're going to hell with me too, right? So, right. you know, <laughs> right. they kind of present this as a false dichotomy that, well, at least I believe. And if I'm wrong, then so what? Well, not. Well, there's lots of other things that you could, you know, be wrong about. And they're all there, you know, and then the, the ominous they over there is right, you know. <laughs> yeah, the other religion, whichever one you don't believe, you know. And so, right. so when he, he kind of brought it up in that way, and I said, well, I guess it's just better, you know, I'm kind of playing, you know, he called it uh, a fire insurance, right? You're just trying to believe so that you don't go to hell, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? I really don't believe. And I was just at work one day and I said, you know, I think I'm an atheist. And I, and I immediately had a panic attack, like, oh my God. And I kind of started freaking out and I, called, I messaged my friend through the office communicator at work. And uh, he's like, relax, man. He's like, nobody knows but you and me now. He goes, <laughs> you know, it's not like there's a big scarlet A on your forehead. Right. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. You don't, <laughs> you don't have to switch it onto your clothes. Yeah. Right? And so, and, and that's one of the reasons why I use a pseudonym on the show is because I want to keep that as private as possible. Not everybody knows. Only a handful of people know that I'm an atheist and, uh, um, so, uh, it, using a pseudonym allows me to be a little more free. And so, uh, sure. I, you know, I was worried that when I started the show, using a pseudonym would be kind of insulting and, and stuff because I'm encouraging people to come out and tell me about their lives and then I hide behind a fake name. But uh, I don't think I would think of it from that perspective, especially when it's, you know, uh, because I think a lot of us go through different like stages of outness, right? I mean, even in my own experience, you know, I started out as out to my mom and that's it. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, uh, uh, it's kind of in a, it's for some people, it's for literally their own safety. And I think for other people, it's their own comfort or whatever reason we might be. But, you know, there's a level of outness and there's a reason that we make those choices. And I, there's, they're all justifiable. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got you. And one of my other guests said, you know, that that's how the internet kind of started out. We all used fake names, you know, when, when originally, you know, we were all signing up with these screen names and things like that. And so somehow we got away from that. And now it's kind of like you should, you're expected to use your real name instead of a pseudonym. And so, but most of the people have been receptive to it. I haven't got any criticisms for it. And, and really it's just to, to be as open as possible without outing people in my life. Like my son is gay. So when I talk, you know, by not using my real identity, I'm not outing him to people. Without, right. without his consent. Without know. his consent, right. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah, so there's several reasons why, but uh, and most people have been receptive to it. So let's get back to you. I've talked enough about me. <laughs> this is a show about Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> so, the you know, I usually start off the show and I want to know your earliest experience. You know, I want to start from the youngest time at which you recall that you were whatever your sexual identity is. In this case, you were a lesbian. And so... Could you recall for us and retell the story of how you first discovered that you liked girls? Yeah, um, my my journey of of recognition is kind of an interesting one because I couldn't have been more than I think I I mean I couldn't have been more than five or six because I wasn't in school and we had neighbors behind us. <laughs> I I remember telling uh, and I won't use I won't use her name for her sake of her sake of anonymity but I remember saying to my mom, "You know, mom, I really like Sarah." She said, "Yeah? You guys like to play a lot." I said, "Yeah." I said, "I th I think if I ever get married someday, it'll be to a girl." And she just kind of looked at me and was like, okay, you know, all right, that's fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> and I just remember um, having these, and there was another, and even, I mean, in my church, no less, I was, a, I mean, I was at the church three times a week easily. You know, I had um, 
fairly regular exposure to people my you know people my age, whether it be for youth group and stuff like that. And I just remember having specific fondnesses for certain girls. And it wasn't, and I, I don't, I don't think, you know, when you're five and six, you don't, or at least when I was five and six, I didn't really know even like what a, any kind of like physical attraction was right. You know, I just kind of knew that I liked this person better than others, but in a different way than I liked other people better than others. Right. And I remember literally, I remember having a dream in which I was literally this girl's knight in shining armor, like a fairy tale. And I kind of started to think about like what that might mean. And then I just dismissed it because, you know, I want to go outside and play with my Frisbee because it doesn't matter right now. You know, you know what I mean? Like it, it, that was kind of one of my first recognitions of maybe I'm a little different. Um, but then I kind of started to the older you get, especially in a very I was in a very conservative church that very vehemently taught anti-LGBT doctrine. I mean, just you are you are going to hell if you continue to participate in your air quote lifestyle can I can I interrupt for just a second? Yeah, yeah. So during the time from when you first discovered it to um, when you were, you know, emerging into puberty and discovering your sexuality, mm-hmm. were your parents still together at that time? Because um, no. right, like, were they in the same church? You know, like your dad is a pretty religious guy and, and he's a, you said he's a Baptist minister, right? He, yeah, he's I mean, he yeah, he was a Baptist minister and now he just kind of fills in wherever. But yeah. And so that so what I guess what I'm getting at is the church you were going to was that your dad were your parents together? Were you guys all going there as a family kind of thing? Or was it for your mom or for your dad? Or when my parents were together, I was at the same we were all at the same church and that church very strongly taught that that doctrine. And then um, when my parents divorced, she stopped going to that church, and my dad and I subsequently went for another few years, and then we moved over to a different church that was more or less the same. But um, that was all involvement with my dad. That wasn't that was all church experience with my dad. My mom was not really. I don't not really. I don't. I don't really recall her going to church much. Although I was with my dad on Sundays, so maybe she did, and I just didn't ask. <laughs> so okay, yeah. So that's what I wanted. I mean, so I I didn't mean to interrupt there. I'm just trying oh, to no, get no. A, a picture of of who kind of fostered this kind of church uh, interaction. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it was most definitely my dad. And my uncle's gay on my my mom's brother. And my dad would, I mean, outwardly pretty much blatantly say, well, you know, your uncle and kind of just like, it's too bad about him. You know what I mean? And that's kind of kind of how he would present this to me. And so already the seed is planted that, you know, gay is bad. Right. I actually took that. And by the time I would say I was like, 13, I had kind of created like this homophobia out of wanting to shun it from myself and my and my thoughts and my presence. So I just kind of like became homophobic and used that as a tool to shut myself down. So and I mean, that, and that's that's fairly common. You actually hear about that. Yeah. So um, I I went to college and I got a business degree, but I had to take several other classes, you know, to round out my degree. And I did take a psychology class. And uh, one of the videos we were told to watch and, and critique in psychology class was something about the middle sexes talking about transgender people or or people with gender ambiguous genitalia or something like that, I think is what it was called. But it was a lot. It was pretty much focused around Thailand and their industry of what I hate to use the term, but like air quotes there, lady boys. And, you know, they they have strip clubs specifically for that. And uh, it talked about in that video, 
that people who usually react violently, they did a study in which they found that those people also became aroused by images of homosexuality and stuff like that. And they linked it. I don't know that there was a causational kind of thing, but it was definitely correlated that the more negatively people viewed uh, homosexuality, the more that they were tested to be finding that they were aroused by it. And so Mm -hmm. it it seemed like some sort of self-hating kind of thing. And so... I always joke with that the, the the guys who are our elected leaders, our senators and our representatives who, you know, are the most outspoken are probably the guys who end up getting busted later on for, you know, trying to have bathroom sex or something like that. So, <laughs> so yeah. I definitely I laugh, but you're probably right. Well, <laughs> and I mean there is some truth to it. It's it's happened in the past. There's been guys who, you know, are very anti LGBT people who are elected representatives and they're very outspoken and then a few years later, man, they get busted trying to have sex with their page boys or getting sex in an airport bathroom kind of thing. So it, it happens. You see it in ministry all the time. I mean, even in my own church, I have uh, churches that I was, had grown up in. I have very serious speculations of some of them of why they left is because, I mean, they read gay to me. And I don't know if there was some kind, you know, I don't know if it's a personal thing or maybe I'm just looking into it too far, but sometimes certain people would just disappear and I'm like, well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, so. Just like, um, uh, we got a new pastor today, you know. Yeah, right today. <laughs> like uh, we didn't know he was leaving, kind of thing. Right. Right? Yeah, so they left under exactly. under mystery. So I understand where you're coming from about the self hating, kind of making yourself homophobic to kind of uh, you know keep those feelings repressed. I get it. So please continue. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, 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 not at all. Um, so you know that, and at the same time though, I had uh, another friend who I spoiler alert I found out later on is by in her life was bisexual when we got to high school because fast forward a little bit by high school I'd already come out. So this was all a very rapid thing for me. So like 13, I'm homophobic. 14, I'm going on a trip with my best, one of my best friends. And we're in, we're at Cape Cod and there's this horrible thunderstorm. And I'm like terrified of thunderstorms. It's a whole thing. <laughs> um, but, and the lightning was like crazy, really bad night. And she and I were um, sharing a bunk, you know, like top, you know, top bottom. And she was, she's scared of, storms too. And then all of a sudden she, I just hear her climbing down the top bunk. And next thing I know she's in my bunk and she just reaches out and holds my hand. And I'm thinking to myself, this is wrong, but dang it. I like it. And And so then this was the girl that you said was bisexual now. Yeah. (laughs) And it was this really horrifying conundrum at the time for me. Cause I'm just like, in my mind, I'm like, I, you know, air quote, know that this is bad, but if this doesn't feel bad, this feels like it is right. This feels correct. And, and then shortly thereafter actually is when I met, let's see, I would have been, a I was getting ready to turn 15 when I met the first girl that I was ever really attracted to and became involved with that I was willing to own. And then that was just, I mean, an immediate 180. I knew I was gay. I knew, (laughs) I knew that I needed to come out to my mom and felt an obligation to come out to my dad. And that's when it kind of really started to come to fruition for me. And, and I had to just kind of own it. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into that now then. So um, let's cover I, your mom to give a little background. When I was in her English one class, I was a pretty closed minded guy. I had just gotten out of the Marine Corps. Um, I was in the military and I was, I don't think that I was ever very conservative or Republican. I was always kind of maybe liberal leaning Democrat 
kind of kind of ideology. I think at that point in my life, I was the most conservative that I would be considered on the spectrum between conservative and, li and liberal. And sure. I know uh, in your mom's class, she probably after class uh, a few times, just shook her head and go that that kid, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and to, to, to give a quick background, funny story, um, we, we they she talked a lot about Gloria Steinem. Yes. Thank you. Gloria Steinem. <laughs> She yeah. talked, there was a lot of information that she would share with us about Gloria Steinem. And at that time I was just like, man, she just sounds like a big man hater. You know, like it, it was, <laughs> it's always like, it's the man's fault because women can't do this or it's the man's fault, you know? And then, right. and looking back at that, that wasn't a fair evaluation of, of her position. I think that's, you know, me being a little defensive and and reading into the meaning because I would kind of object to everything in her class. And I would constantly be like, wait, 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 I don't agree with what she just said because I'm a guy and I don't do anything like that to women kind of thing, you know? And so right, right. I was very outspoken in her class. And so, but uh, as I progressed through college and I took my anthropology class and, you know, I took different, you know, I took an African-American histories class and uh, I took all kinds of different things and kind of really, I like to use the term woke, you know? And so sometimes right. during my college career, I became a very woke to how close-minded I had been and how myopic my views were. And so once my anthropology class really opened up my eyes to my ethnocentrism and just how, you know, America, this idea of this is the idea of right and this is how other societies should be measured against it kind of thing. Once I got out of that, I really, my mind opened up pretty quickly and I, I look back to your mom's class and I can imagine that I gave her probably more than a few headaches uh, in, that, <laughs> in that class. Well, if you considered yourself uh, fairly moderate on the conservative spectrum, you probably were like a speck of dust compared to what she was used to dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So, but she always seemed like a really open-minded person to me. And so yeah, definitely. I, I can, I, you say here in the pre-interview that it was pretty easy going for her, but Tell us about how you came out to your mom and how that went. Yeah, it was super great, actually. You know, it's like, it, I mean, it, it's literally the ideal situation of coming out as far as, you know, a reaction from a parent, unless you want some kind of big grandeur or something, you know, which is not my style. But <laughs> I just, I just, my mom was working on her, would have been her master's probably, or she might have just started her, her doctoral work. So she had spent a lot of time in her office. So I knew the place I was going to find my mom was there. So I, Went into her office and started talking. And I just said, "Hey, you know, um, do do you have a minute? You know, something of that nature." I don't remember the exact words of my bringing it up, but I said, at the time, I said, "I think I'm bisexual," and I think that was just kind of. You were I think hedging. A lot, I was hedging. Yeah, exactly. And 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 she she just kind of uh, looked at me and did what I call. Well, I'll spare her last name, but <laughs> there's, there's, there's an ism that everybody on my mom's side of the family, which is they put, they kind of put their hand on their chin and crinkle their eyebrows a little bit and just kind of start nodding and go, and she just goes, I kind of thought that and already knew that. <laughs> <laughs> And so, and it was just like the end, ta-da. And I was like, great. So we're done here. Uh, we can go ahead and move on. Like, it, wait, you know. that's it? That's all, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, and I was just like, all right, so I guess I'll go ahead and go turn on my GameCube now and move on with my life. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, it's the ideal situation. Um, and I think my mom already having, uh, a, you know, having a brother who... Uh, came out in, I want to say the 80s, if not the 80s, early 90s, 
and she was already, you know, super accustomed and familiar with, you know, to as much as a straight white woman can be accustomed to a, you know, a gay male culture or she already had exposure to the LGBTQ uh, community. She already, you know, yeah. and, and her, her, that particular brother, she's very close with, they spend a lot of time together. So, you know, this is not unfamiliar or uncharted territory. For right. Well, and, and, and so she's been exposed to it. And when we get exposed to something, you know, in our life, it kind of, you know, we adjust and, and our views change and, I can imagine having a brother or a close person can definitely cause you to uh, adjust to that reality. And so it, it makes the next exposure to that a little easier and a little more comfortable to, to come to terms with and understand. Yeah. You know, and I, I would definitely say the thing that, and, and I was, I remember asking her, you know, along the lines of, you know, like, are you worried? Are you concerned? And she was like, I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about the environment you have to exist in. Yeah. Because I mean, it was, it was, 2006 but i lived in a small town where my house i mean where my my high school was literally surrounded like by cornfields and i'm not exaggerating you know so i mean i'm out in the i'm out in the middle of nowhere and just for a kind of a weird reality of my environment you know i graduated with like 110 kids and um i was the first person to be actually openly gay in my high school Okay. So, you know, I feel like in, so she, her concerns were only ever, I'm not worried about you as a human being. I'm worried about you having to exist with other human beings who are not going to be okay with you as a human being. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can definitely understand that. So like I just said uh, a little bit ago, and I've said in the past, um, you know, my son, I have a teenage son. He's 16 now, and, and he's gay. He told us a few years, three, four years ago that he was gay. And I remember that my initial reaction was I was definitely – supportive of him. I didn't want to say, you know, I, I, I say that I was disappointed, but not of him or of him being gay. Uh, I was disappointed in the fact that he is going to, and I hate, maybe disappointed isn't the worst, the best word to use, but I was worried that, you know, growing up in the society that we had at the time when he told us, I was worried that he was going to face bullying and bigotry and you know, harassment, maybe even sure. violence one day. And, and every time I hear about these kids who are bullied in school for being gay or some kid gets beat near to death or hospitalized, you know, I immediately think, oh, my God, I hope that never happens to my son. You no, know? I totally understand. Yeah, and, I mean. And so while I wasn't upset with him or upset at all that he was gay, I was really just upset that he's going to face a life of unnecessary strife because being gay or trans is, is viewed so negatively by so many people, which is one of the reasons why I started this podcast is I wanted to share these experiences with people and let them know that, hey, these the, the way you treat these people is, is very hurtful. I mean, you're really ruining people's lives. You oh, know? absolutely. And for no real good reason, I talk about how I was in my anthropology class and the professor was shooting down all these arguments that people had when we were talking about homosexuality and other cultures and societies and stuff. He, um, he shot down all these objections to homosexuality so efficiently, it made me reevaluate my whole worldview. And, and I was really thankful for having that class because had I not had that, my, my mind open that way and, and had to reevaluate my worldview, I don't know that I would have been as supportive as I was when my son came out, you know? Sure. And and I was thankful that, you know, hey, I, I realized that there's real no good reason to accept these people for as they are. This isn't a choice because um, really if it was a choice, the best choice would be bisexual because you could still be <laughs> with men and women. 
you can have babies with women and still have relationships with men and get twice as much sex, you know? So, <laughs> uh, he, he, he made these really good arguments. And so, um, ever since then I had been a very outspoken, you know, supporter of LGBT people and, an, and a supporter of same sex marriage and all of that. And I remember when my son finally came out and told us that he was gay, I, I was just really upset because I knew we hadn't got to that point in society yet where he was just going to be accepted as another part yeah. of society and a normal Absolutely. person, you know, he was going to always be viewed as, or maybe not always, but at least at this point in time, he was going to be viewed as a less than someone who was a, someone, a, a sexual deviant or, right. You know, it's, yeah, it's what I call putting people in the other box. Yeah. You know, you, know. You, you belong over here in this other place that's different and separate from me and also by extension less than me, you know, that's, exactly. that's, that's that other thing over there. Yeah. 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 And so I, I definitely can identify with how your mom reacted that, you know, she was just worried about you. She wanted to right, be supportive right. and accepting. Right. And, and I'm sure she was. But definitely I, I can imagine her first concern was that, uh oh, what's this mean for her life? And, and so I can definitely understand where she was coming from. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely fortunate on that front. Yeah. So let's did your mom ever express any feelings of like that to you, you know, as you guys, you know, went about, you know, your life, you know, had she ever said, you know, I'm really worried about you or, you know, cause I, I, I hate to admit it. And I don't know that I'm doing, you know, uh, this is my first kid who's a gay person. And so I don't, it makes parenting very difficult. I don't know if your mom's ever, expre <laughs> I don't know if your mom's well, ever expressed that to you, but you have to reevaluate everyday situations like letting his friends stay the night, you know, like if I let his friends stay the night and his friends gay, do I have well, to worry about them having sex? Kind of stay the night. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from my one, uh, my one long-term friend, uh, who actually was the one that ironically turned out to be bisexual, but, um, she and I had been friends for so long that it wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't like that, yeah. I guess you could say, but, um, well, and what what I was but what I was getting at was I've had to tell my son before, hey, don't tell people you're gay because I don't want you to get beat up. I'm like, look at this news article. This kid got beat near to death because people knew he was gay, and the only reason why they beat him up was because he was gay, and I don't want that to happen to you. And I I don't know that that was the right thing, and and maybe it was the wrong thing, you know. And maybe people are, who are listening are thinking, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But you know, it's my first time. I'm a parent of a of a gay kid. I've never done this before. I don't know. I'm not gay myself, and so. I felt like I was telling him to hide who he was and, and I didn't want him to get the impression that I was ashamed of it. I was really just sure. confer concerned for his safety. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I think um, to kind of slightly circle back to, you know, the, the stages of outness, you know, it's like in what capacity and for what reason, you know, so like I wish I had heeded my mom's advice when it came to don't tell your dad yet because that was just unnecessary on like a lot of different levels. And so to your point, it wasn't physical hurt, but it would have saved me a lot of emotional hurt if I had listened to my mom when she said, you know, you're not all of 15. Don't tell your dad because he was just not in a place that he could. And so while telling your son, don't tell people you're gay because you're afraid, you know, I'm worried you're going to get beat up. That's to a certain degree, definitely justifiable. I underwent not like physical issues so much. I did have like a couple altercations that I was like concerned were going to get to that level. Something about girls in locker rooms, they're so weird. <laughs> it's just like, I just don't want, I just don't want to be in them. Um, so, and uh, and it, for me, it was all emotionally driven turmoil, like name calling or overall discrimination, especially from the 
the administration, not necessarily like my local level teachers, you know, that I had for, you know, English, math, whatever, the higher ups just did not like my existence. They did not for my first two years of high school. You mean school. like the principal and yeah, the, the higher principals, the vice principal, principal, and some, a couple teachers you could just tell weren't uncomfortable with my presence. But I also was a little bit of, I had kind of an, a, edgier look, I guess you could say back then. I, I, you know, had a lot of color in my hair and I was kind of the first to arrive like as a pop punk on the pop punk scene in my high school, you know, and so I am, you know, I'm wearing skinny jeans and, you know, really tight t-shirts and not afraid to, you know, you know, drop a couple F-bombs in the hallway or, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I already kind of had a, a little bit, I don't want to, I mean, it, yeah, maybe I was hardened, a little bit of a hardened presence. So that combined with my being a lesbian was just like, it's, I set myself up to a certain degree, not that, not that I should have been discriminated against or bullied, but I was already kind of a sore thumb. <laughs> and then that, you know, topped onto it as far as my physically standing out and then I'm a lesbian too. And it's like, okay, so I get, I get it. Yeah. But I also turned out by the time I was a senior in high school, I had made a name for myself and I graduated outstanding senior girl. So, you know, man, look at my, you, Rachel is killing it. High five. You know, like, <laughs> well, despite, despite my being weird in their eyes, you know, air quote, you know, or despite my, my gain, you know, my gayness and despite my edgier look, you know, I had proven to people who wanted to put a label on me and call me the other thing and put me over in that box that mm, I have some worth and merit here. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. Uh, let's, you know, I can understand where you're coming from. I want to circle back to your school experience. I haven't really had many people that have told me a lot about any sort of experiences that they've had in school. I've gotten a few stories here and there, but nothing in depth, but it seems like you may have had uh, some interesting experiences. So I'd want to circle back to that here in a little bit, Sure. but let's move on to you when you came out to your dad. He's a Baptist minister, and you said he was pretty hardcore religious, and yeah. and, and the, your church experiences, they were vehemently against LGBT or being gay or trans, and so I can imagine in my head, if I if I picture this in my head, it probably was a pretty awful experience. It was one of the worst experiences as far as having a conversation with another another human being that I've ever had in my life. Yeah, so um, I, I don't want to I don't want to drag up too much of a painful no, no, past. No, but... I can re I can revisit it without without emotional <laughs> openings. <so. laughs> okay, I, I I know this is a difficult topic for some people to bring up old past pains, and and if it's too painful, we can skip over it. But if you not don't if you don't mind, please tell us how that went. No, not at all, and I'll even use my dark and twisty sense of humor. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like. So just envision kind of like your, you know, and just to kind of set the scene of who my my dad is. I mean, you you know, we've already mentioned Baptist minister, conservative guy, but just envision like man's man, total. He's he's a dude's dude. He likes to hunt. He likes to fish. He you know he's just that guy, and compounded with quite frankly being sexist and also relatively close minded. And then tacking on the religious aspect. So, and I'm his only kid and I'm all, and he, and he also had, every parent I think has preconceived notions of what he imagined, they, you know, they imagine their kid might be coming to a certain degree. 
I already kind of was veering down a trail of not being who he thought I was going to be, um, being kind of, you know, into punk rock music and having a, you know, used, used to have a really foul mouth and, you know, all that stuff combined. And then, and then I'm a lesbian too. So, you know, I, <laughs> I, uh, I went over to his house he, and I just sat him, I sat him down outside and I just told him, I said, dad, you're not, you know, you're, you're really not going to like this. And meanwhile, I'm like shaking because I know that he's going to flip and he just, he didn't scream. He just started crying. And I was just like, oh no, <laughs> you know, but the thing is he just started crying and saying, you know, this isn't like, this isn't how I raised you. It was a, both a, a blaming me and blaming him at the same time for my being gay and just basically telling me like he was going to help me fix it. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, I'm like, well, dad, this isn't something that we're going to fix. This is, this is who I am. And meanwhile, too, you know, I'm 15 years old, hence my saying earlier, I wish I would have listened to my mom, which is probably my mantra. I wish I would have listened to my mom yeah. <laughs> about pretty much anything, actually. <laughs> she is a pretty smart um, lady. I, I can't attest yeah. to. She kind of knows what she's talking about most of the time. Yeah, I've kind of just if I've just kind of stopped, you know, and asked myself, would my mom think this is a good idea? Almost any time I do anything, um, but, <laughs> would my mother approve of this? Would my mother think this is wise? Um, but it, but in all sincerity, you know, it just it was to the point that he actually just didn't believe me. Yeah, like it, 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 it he just and I don't know if it was just a refute. You know, he was refusing to believe it. So you know, imagine that like you know miserable conversation. And then having to do it like every year because he, it wouldn't stick. So I'd have a significant other. And so he'd start asking me questions about who this person is that I'm spending all my time with. And so I'm torn between like lying to my dad and being honest with my dad. And I want to be open and honest with my dad because prior to this, he and I had a really good relationship and he and I have gone, I mean, you know, he and I have, have made drastic improvements now, you know, he and I are in a really good place, but it's also kind of like, don't ask, don't tell, you know, we just don't talk about it. Yeah. You know, I just had to re come out to him like every couple, you know, like every, like every year or every other year, because until I was in the relationship that I'm in now for about like three years that he finally realized that this person that I spend all my time with isn't going anywhere. Right. And it would be the same fight. Well, I didn't, you know, you don't, you, this isn't who you are, you know, and, and then it was, it was coupled with him being just really passive aggressive when I was in his house. So Man. my coming out experience lasted like all of high school because his refusal to own and recognize created his own inner turmoil that he would unleash on me. So like by the time, it really wasn't pretty much good until I graduated from high school and moved into a dorm. Yeah. Now, I also didn't spend as much time with him by the time I got in high school. So it just by like by late high school, you know, I was I was super involved with my school. So I didn't really see him a ton other than the weekends and Sundays for church. <laughs> but, you know, that's so, yeah, I mean, it was just over and over. Yeah, I can imagine that was pretty rough. Um, I mean, it's certainly not ideal. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So what are some of the, when you told him though, like what, how did that conversation actually go? Did you, were you in his truck going to church kind of thing or were you at his house? Like, so tell me specifically about when you actually told him for the first time, you know, dad, I'm, I'm a lesbian or I'm gay or, or however you said it. Yeah. The, so the first time I actually said, I am, I'm bisexual. I was at his house and his on his back deck patio type thing and you know like and he just he basically said no you're not <laughs> and then he kind of started talking about 
he started, you know, he pulled out the Bible. It's what it's, that's his go-to. That's his move. That's, you know, that's his, that's his everything as far as, you know, how he runs his life. And so he starts going through the different, you know, verses and especially, you know, specifically your stereotypical, your Leviticus stuff. And, you know, well, and then then he tried to kind of, after he got done quoting Bible verses, he's, (laughs) I spent a lot of time with my uncle. Um, So then he kind of like, tried to insinuate that my uncle had trained me to like be gay. Cause you know, that's, that's a thing, I guess. Um, <laughs> and um, then kind of uh, shifted blame to my mom of being too, you know, lenient with me and letting me do whatever I wanted. He was just looking, he was placing blame for anything he possibly could. Right. Cause I don't, and I'll be honest with you as far as like super specific sentences and words, I, I don't recall because it was not a great experience. Yeah. You know, I I remember there actually was a time in his truck. We weren't on the way to church, but and it was another re coming out situation <laughs> because it was like a year later. And there was this song by Justin Timberlake that was like really popular. I don't remember the name of it, but it was something about something about hot girls because that's Justin Timberlake. And <laughs> and you know, I was like singing along to it, but you know, I am also a musician, and that was a fairly common song. And he like pulled over the truck, and he was like get out, we're going to talk about this. And I'm like, here we go again. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) You know, so I mean, just those kinds of instances happened fairly frequently, more frequently for like the first year or two of my life that he would just kind of, or like he would just kind of explode for no apparent reason. Like the worst experience I would say of that nature was like he had friends over and I was wearing my gay pride rainbow belt because I was like, out and proud. I bent over to pick up a guitar and like when my shirt popped up, my rainbow belt popped up and he had friends over and that was like totally unacceptable to, for his friends to see my rainbow belt. And he just like totally flipped his lid and started screaming. And he was like, Oh man. So I called my mom and I'm like, get me out of here. And she's like, you can't, I, I can't, you, you have to stay, you have to stay and deal with him. And I'm like, I don't want to, you know? Yeah. So, but then, I mean, you know, that, that was just the nature of the beast with him it, because I think he was so, we all are afraid of what we don't, you know, we all have like these fears about things we don't understand or don't know. Right. Right. Well, he's just so hyper masculine and like, so, so straight that he can't even wrap his head around the notion of being gay. Yeah. Like it's not a thing. It's just not a thing. Yeah. And so like, that's why he was just like, you know, there was just, that's, he, he just refused to own that that was my my situation well and and i don't want to put words in his mouth or i don't want to speak for him but i can understand the idea of a person who lives their whole life according to their religious beliefs and so what they're taught is that people are choosing to live this lifestyle they're choosing uh you know they have given themselves over to a reprobate mind i've been accused of that for being an atheist and so (laughs) you know so to him it could be and again i don't want to speak for him but I could understand him coming from a place where it's, I didn't teach you this kind of stuff. I didn't raise you this way. So how could you choose something like this? Right. You're absolutely right. No, that's, that's 100% what it is, is I didn't raise you to, I didn't raise you to make this decision is his mindset. Yeah. That's one of my big problems with religious people, as far as when they come to using their religion and and their, and their worldview to clobber people with the is it scares them, right? I mean, they right. they they have, you know, I don't believe in hell in the same way I don't believe in heaven. I don't believe in God in the same way I don't believe in Satan, right? So when people, 
you know, associate with, with me with being an atheist as, you know, some sort of devil worshiper. And I'm like, you realize, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't believe in that guy either, too, right? Like, right, those, right. you know, just like I don't believe in Bigfoot and I don't believe in fairies and I don't believe in leprechauns. I don't believe in the devil either, right? And so. No, just um, I think for him, it's exactly like you were saying, you know, with with and it's well, it's like religious people often, yeah. um, you know, it's using their religious beliefs to facilitate or not even necessarily facilitate, but just like, frankly, like promote the notion of you are a, a bad person who made right. a bad well, choice. And what I was you getting, know, what I was getting yeah. at was that it scares them, right? It makes oh, them sure, afraid because yeah, right? he loves you. He really does. And now he, according to his worldview and his beliefs, you're going to go to hell. Right. And that's right. terrifying for a person who is a believer who believes in heaven and hell. Absolutely. That he is literally terrified for your eternal soul. Yeah. And so because he is so afraid, he will react in very, negative ways in hopes that this will turn you from your path of damnation and back into, you know, one of righteousness or whatever it is so that your soul or your eternal being is no longer in danger. And people will, when people are scared, man, they will do really scary things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's one of the bad things about religion is, is they, they have these ideas of eternity and, and damnation that they use to justify their true, their bad treatment of people mm -hmm. because they think it's good for them for eternity. And as an atheist and a non-believer, man, I just, I can't reconcile that. Like how you can justify being awful to a person simply because you think their soul is in, is in danger, you know? And, you know, it's almost like counterintuitive too, because you would think that like, if you're concerned about their soul and eternal damnation, then you would want to be kind to that person to sway them to your set of beliefs. But instead, exactly. you know, you know, instead it's instead it's fear that that drives these really hateful interactions. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, in fact, I just recall I just recalled now when I did come out, my dad called my mom and he, he said something to the effect of, I don't think she's going, she's going to go to hell, but there's like this concept of crowns, air quote crowns that you get in heaven. And he said, and I forgot that it was like a thing. <laughs> and my mom forgot that it was a thing. And she was like, I'm just worried about her crowns. And my mom was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you still believe that. You know, that <laughs> he's like worried about how much merit I'm going to receive in heaven because of my lesbianism, you know? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you'll be in heaven, but not as cool heaven, but right? not like as cool heaven. Right. Yeah. And no, I'm going to, I'm going to have to hang out with all the I'm going to have to hang out with all the poppers and the Mormons. Know? Right. And the Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing oh, against Mormons. Yeah. The Mormons are nice no, people. Was, I, yeah. 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 So I don't, I don't mean to beat up on any one person or no, another. No, I know. So I can imagine that, that I'm glad to hear that your relationship with your dad is a lot better now. Yeah, we're uh, fine. <laughs> I can imagine it was pretty difficult in the beginning and, you know, for understandable reasons, I can understand why a person of that worldview would act, would act that way. Um, although I don't agree with it and, and I, I don't think that it's justified, I can at least understand where he was coming from. Yeah, um, most definitely. But I want to circle back to your school real quick. You said you were the first out gay person in your school. You were the first lesbian, you know, that, that announced or at least was openly a lesbian. And so what were some of the experiences related to that that you had in high school? It says, you know, in your interview form here that, you know, along with the normal things of being called a dyke and a fag, was there anything other than that, anything more serious or anything? Yeah. Um, and that's what I mean about the administration. You know, the kids 
the, the, the kids that were, you know, mean or just that they're mean, they call me a dyke. They call me a fag. What, you know, that I just, you know, water off my back, you know, no big deal. Like a be like a duck. But, um, what was bad was, um, I can think of two instances specifically that I can, uh, that were, that were, well, okay. So the first one, (laughs) the first one was, um, there were, by the time I had come out, other people kind of started coming out, you know, a little bit. And I was dating someone who was also from my school and you were allowed, you know, you're allowed small public displays of affection in high school, right? At least in my high school, you were. So you could hold hands or you could hug after you left in between classes. Right. You couldn't be making out in the, you know, in front of your locker, right? Yeah. You couldn't be making out if you were me. Now, if you were the boyfriend and girlfriend who had each other slammed up against a locker right before algebra every day, you could get away with it. But, um, and that's to my point, (laughs) um, we did have, I mean, they would, they would get away with it. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if it's just because they weren't paying attention or if it's because it's so I and my significant other at the time were so much, uh, you know, in your face because we were the first people to be openly gay in, uh, in that high school. And so me and uh, three other people, two other people, sorry, got pulled down to the vice principal's office. Um, and all just kind of like jammed into a room together and, uh, they were like, well, we're, you, you guys are reaching an excessive amount of public displays of affection, excessive hugging and excessive handholding. And they basically said if it had, if it would, if it persisted, they would suspend us. So I came home and I told my mom, I said, look, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to stop. You know, I'm I'm just going to stop being public, you know, I'm just going to stop doing any kind of public display of affection because they're threatening to suspend me. And I won't say her name, but my significant other, because we hold hands in the hallway and we hug. And she said, well, aren't you allowed small public displays of affection? And I said, well, yeah. And she said, well, then they can't suspend you. (laughs) And I said, but they, they're threatening to. And so she went down to, (laughs) she came to the, uh, she came to the office and then I, they never said anything to me again, but, um, I don't know what conversation had. Man, I would have loved to have been a fly on a wall in that yeah, room. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> my mom uh, is already got a lot of guts and don't mess with her only child. Yeah. I mean, but things of things, things of that nature. That's one example. The other example was, um, this was a fun experiment. I had a shirt that my mom got me that said all the cool girls are lesbians. Um, (laughs) nice (laughs) yeah gotta love spencer's yeah Um, nice yeah and so i was a junior i want to say or maybe a senior in high school and you know how you just know you're about to be in trouble like you just know you can see it on their face like you're walking up to them and you're just like oh man here it goes yeah i was walking down the hallway and i had been wearing a hoodie most of the day and then i finally when i took my hoodie off i had the shirt that said that i mean it said all the cool girls are lesbians it had a rainbow and a rainbow set of lips like all, just in between the you know the words and i saw the gym teacher and i saw her look at me and like one up you know like one up and down me and she turned around and book, booked it in the other direction and i was like i'm about to get called down to the principal's office like yep. i just knew here we go here we go and so uh, he called me down to, and I got called down. And Rachel, Rachel, come to the principal's office. I'm like, oh man. So, so I trudge down there, and they hand me like this three XL high, like high school football shirt, and they're like, 
either you have to get picked up for the day or you can put this shirt on. So yeah. I'm like, well, here I am. So then I started thinking to myself, all right, I'm going to make a tally of all of the inappropriate shirts that I see that other people are wearing and find out if they get in trouble. So one, uh, one guy had a shirt that said, want to ride my longboard. That was fine. Another was, um, it was something insinuating that like, if you're going to like hold my head, you know, hold the ponytails basically is right. I got you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Stuff like that. Right. Right. A Um, lot of sexual Indian innuendo stuff. Yeah. Sexual innuendos, um, Confederate flags galore. And so then in my, I decided that then after I kind of went and this was all, this is all in one day that I'm finding these people like from, because I got, I got called in like at the second or third period. And then by the, so the next day I, (laughs) I had, my friend gave me a joke a shirt as a joke that said, I love Christian boys. That was like bright (laughs) pink. And so I wore that to school and that was of course, totally fine. And so it's just things like that, you know, but I I imagine the intention was to, for a guy to wear that, like a gay guy to wear that. Right. Is that what they're, I'm I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Like, I think I'm, I'm getting the sarcasm of the joke there. Right. So yeah, either either that, or it really was for some like Christian um, girl, Christian girl. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so then I went through the handbook and I took pictures of both myself wearing myself, wearing both of these shirts, went through the handbook and said, there's no profanity on my shirt. There's nothing inappropriate. There's no sexual innuendo. Why did you try and kick me out for the day, basically? And they had nothing. <laughs> I said, so why is this shirt okay and this one isn't? And again, they I mean, they just kind of shrugged their shoulders at me. And I, just while that seems trivial, it's about a mindset. Yeah. I'm wearing something gay, and so they want it out of their face. Right. That was – That's. I mean, but that's the long and short of it, right, is is you're, you're, you're putting out there this image that makes them uncomfortable. I mean, really, that's right. the bottom line, right? And and people don't like to feel uncomfortable, so you're going to have to stop doing the thing that makes me uncomfortable. And to right. speak to that point about the, the Confederate flag shirts, right, I, I have never had an objection to people wearing them or waving them or flying them. I don't think that they should – I right. think I think it's a stupid symbol to wave around, but if you want to, you're more than well within your rights to do so. Sure. Now, I wouldn't agree with anything, you know, racist along with that. If you're going to wear a Confederate flag that says, you know, hang them in trees or something like that, I don't know, you know, whatever. Right, I don't right, right, right. I'm not familiar with those slogans or anything, but if somebody wants to wear a Confederate flag, there should be no issue with that. However, I don't know why anyone would want to do this either, but if they want to walk through school with an ISIS flag or something, you know, if you're going to allow one, you got to allow the other, right? You can't, <laughs> right, you know, yeah. unless it's like, you know, behead all the Christians kind of thing, you know, then. Then it, we have an issue. You know, exactly. Right. right? Exactly, and, yeah. and so, you know, but you can't draw the line on one and not the other, right? If you're going to allow people to wear the shirts, you know, ride my longboard or pull the ponytail kind of thing or whatever the shirt was, right? Right. And you're going to wear lesbians are the coolest people or I forget what it said, but, <laughs> but, um. You know, you can't discriminate in that way, right? You, you exactly. have to apply the rules consistently is all I care about. If you're going to apply the if rules. If you're going to apply them, that was all I, that was my issue. Exactly. You know, if you're going to apply the rules, apply them consistently. You know, if, and again, okay, if you're going to suspend, suspend me for excessive hand holding and hugging, then you need to suspend the people who are making out against the locker. You know, exactly. Right. You know, that's my issue. If, if you take issue with how much I'm physically displaying my affection, then fine. Okay. I'm outside of my guidelines. Then so be it. But then those same standards need to be upheld to 
other folks. Exactly. And that's all I've ever really cared about is, you know, uh, I, I don't care what your school rules are, but you can't make separate rules for gay people and, and separate <laughs> right. rules for straight people and make gay people be held to some higher standard. That's, that's, exactly. that'll definitely get me fired up in a minute. And, um, <laughs> thankfully all of the schools that my son has been in, my son has been bullied a few times in school mm -hmm. for being gay. And, uh, I don't, I don't know that he's ever actually been physically assaulted, but I know he's definitely been, you know, harassed and, and name called. And thankfully, whenever it was discovered by the school, all of the schools and the principals, you know, were supportive and, and they definitely were like, we'll definitely take care of this. And, it was never really an issue with the administration. So I, 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 as a parent, I'm thankful for that, but I can imagine that could be quite a problem for a lot of um, parents of, of LGBT kids, you know, dealing with school administration. So I, and yeah. so moving on from that, I want to start talking about maybe something a little more positive here. So can you tell us about a time in which, you know, you kind of, someone really made a difference in your life uh, related to you being a lesbian person, you know, where you really needed, to, you know, that one moment where someone really kind of helped you in a, in a moment of need? Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> when I was, a fr it was actually the same professor that I had when I was a freshman in college that was teaching that Gospel of John class that I was, you know, taking to out of spite for my dad. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I was already just kind of feeling like, I mean, I was pretty solid, you know, in my, in my sexuality and in my, you know, I had come to grips with my LGBT nature, but when he talked to me outside of class, cause he was a, he's a minister and he's, but he's also very LGBTQ affirming and very, very, uh, liberal. And quite frankly, I was just kind of struggling with, I was struggling with religion because I was grappling with kind of what you were describing earlier of like, I believe in something, but I don't actually really know that I believe in anything. And, you know, and I was just kind of flopping all over the place. And so that compounded with being in an entirely new environment and him just kind of coming up to me and asking me, you know, he was asking me about the class as how the conversation started. So then I started talking to him about my dad and talking about my rest, you know, my wrestling with religion as a, as a gay person. I really appreciated him basically saying, you are going to wrestle the bear that is religion all of your life as a gay person. And that's okay. <laughs> that was pretty cool for me because I like studying religion, but sometimes I get the feeling that in certain religious circles, I'm not welcomed, even though I just want to learn. <laughs> yeah. So that's been, and, and so he really grabbed me and helped me along the way. And he and I are still friends to this day. So that was pretty cool. That's cool. So just my last episode that I released, episode 12, I had a conversation on here with a lesbian pastor in North Carolina. So you might be interested in hearing that. She She's yeah. a, she's a co-pastor in a church in North Carolina. Very nice lady. Even invited me down to her church, even though I'm an atheist. And she said, everyone's welcome, you know, bar none. And, and right. they have gay and lesbian members of their church. And both her and the other pastor are gay uh, he's a male, so he's a gay man and, and she's a lesbian woman and they co-pastor in the same church. And so oh, that's so cool. You might be interested in that episode as well. Yeah, definitely. There's one other, one other thing I would like to share because it was pivotal in my surviving high school. I had an English teacher my junior year who, I mean, you know, teachers in high school can't really tell you that they're liberal or conservative. You know, you can just kind of tell. <laughs> and you can tell who's, you know, who's, you know, who's open and affirming of LGBT and who's not. 
it might be able to a little bit easier for you to suss that information out than for a straight white guy for me. <laughs> you know, like they may not. You know, I'm generally mostly accepted by most people, so I can imagine you maybe had a little bit more of a telling experience of who those were. But I, it was usually hard for me to tell. <laughs> yeah, it was just you just get a. There's just a look on. <laughs> there's just like a way that they people interact with you. Yeah, you and I'm of- I, I'm sure there is. Yeah, I have no doubt about that. <laughs> but she didn't ever really wreck physically like recognize and say you're a lesbian it's okay but she just took me under her wing and was probably one of not just the nicest but most involved teachers she knew what kind of books I like to read and what would recommend them to me she knew that I was into music and her husband was into music. So she'd talk to me about music. You know, she just in every way you could imagine involved me in her life as much as she could in a professional way and just recognizing. And I talk to her now frequently. It's kind of cool if that's Facebook for you, but (laughs) I mean, she just grabbed, just like kind of grabbed me and was like, you're a cool person. I'm going to interact with you. Don't pay attention to how other teachers or administration or students might treat you. And that, that was just so huge because I was just beat up. I was looking, you know, I'm looking at colleges. I'm tired of dealing with people. I'm tired of dealing with the administration. And, and, you know, I have a close knit circle of friends, but that's it. And other teachers just flat out don't like me. <laughs> and, and it's not, and it wasn't, and it wasn't necessarily, probably some of them didn't like me and thought I was a little bit of a bad seed. Cause I had a, a little bit of a rebellious streak, but <laughs> others, it was just very, very, very clear why they didn't like me. Yeah, I can imagine that's, uh, you know, we all have those teachers that don't like us, but I can imagine it was probably a little more obvious in, in your case uh, from time to time. Uh, I don't want to, we all have those teachers who uh, make a big impact on our lives and uh, your mom would probably be happy to hear this, but she was one of those teachers. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't say that she was number one. She was probably the first big influence on my college career. I think my anthropology professor still has to remain the number one biggest influence <laughs> on my on my position these days, but, uh, your, your, your mom was one of the first people who kind of smacked me in the face with, uh, you know, the two by four to open up my eyes to tell me, you know, Hey, you're pretty close minded idiot. You maybe think about this a little more, right? Oh, that's, well, that's good. That, that's me. I, I, I can speak for, I know I can speak on her behalf, but that definitely means a lot to her because what she always has told me is, you know, she's not teaching currently. Um, she's doing other work, but, I know that one of her favorite things about teaching was knowing that she helped change someone's perspective for, for the better. Oh <laughs> so. yeah, she definitely did. Uh, she's, you know, it maybe it took me a little while to come around to realize, you know, that, you know, the, the, the hole she poked in my blindfold there, but, uh, <laughs> You know, once I, my mind was open and and I look back, it was definitely a big influence on my life. And she was probably the first college influence that I really had that made a big difference on, on my current position these days. So that's uh, cool. Big, big thanks to her for being a a great (laughs) English teacher. She, uh, I don't know that we covered a lot of English, you know, we covered a lot, (laughs) a lot of current events. We did have to write papers and stuff. So I don't want to say that we didn't learn that all about English, but we talked about a lot of Gloria Steinem stuff and. And, oh yeah, uh, I wrote she a bunch of articles. So. Definitely went through a big Gloria Steinem phase too. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> so we we got to wrap up here, man. We're going on almost two hours. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we're gonna have to run through these last few questions. So feel free to keep them as as brief as you want. We don't need to expound on these. But uh, one of the final questions 
I like to ask is, or the final two questions is what is something about society or culture that worries you for the future as far as your being an LGBT person? You know, as far as my being an LGBT person, uh, I feel, I mean, our current administration obviously hasn't yet tackled LGBT issues because they're, you know, well, they are moving on from healthcare to tax now, but um, I'm sure with Pence as a vice president, we will see LGBT issues on the radar in the here shortly. Um, that wasn't much of a campaign promise, but that is something that I know exists and concerns me. I will say the LGB, so basically the people I'm worried about the most right now are, are um, I'm worried about trans people. Yeah, I think um, that's the bigger issue these days. I think I think uh, being lesbian or gay or bisexual has become a little more normative these days. And the gays are pretty all right right now. We're yeah, doing okay. I think <laughs> you know? I, I don't want to say that they're fully accepted in society, but they've no. come a long way. And I agree We've with made you. Great strides. Yeah, and I agree with you. Um, I think the trans people are just the next other group that they're looking to beat up on. I definitely can see that. I I actually fear for just general well being and safety for trans people. Um. Uh, and it's something that I'm very passionate about. So uh, I highly recommend um, to anyone who's listening, or uh, to, you know, and, and to any you know, to you to get involved in, in any capacity that you can with trans rights movements because they're just so fundamentally important right now because of where we're at. Yeah, we had a I, I ride in a van pool and and a lot of the not a lot of people but a couple of people in the van are religious conservative kind of people and we did actually talk about this one day in the van and I ended up changing someone's mind. Him and I didn't really see eye to eye on it at first, but I made I think I made some really good arguments and he thought about it. And then he ended up going back to his church and they were doing their Bible study and they talked about the trans bathroom issue. And he used my argument that changed his mind on people in his Bible study, which I thought was really great. I'm That's a great. huge supporter of trans people. Uh, in addition to that, I encourage people to reach out and get to know a trans person. Come and listen to my show. I have interviewed several of trans, several trans people. I have a I interviewed a mother, a, a trans woman who's a mother of three. I've interviewed a, a mother who's uh, a parent to a trans daughter. I've interviewed female to male, male to female. So if you want to hear about the experiences of trans people, you can come to my show, tell it to your friends, share it with everybody who are maybe too. The whole point of this is that I'm a straight person. So, you know, I'm the straight host and I'm trying to be that bridge into the straight world for people to hear and learn about these experiences. Uh, one of the funny, funny enough, one of the hard things to get people to do, uh, my friends who are straight is to get them to like my Facebook page <laughs> because it's called the straight up gay podcast, uh, Facebook page. And they don't want that to be posted on their feed, oh, right? Cause they're a straight, right. they're a straight person. And right. so except for those people who are already accepting of it and people are already outspoken about it, you know, even those people who are open-minded enough to accept LGBT people, but they're not comfortable enough yet, you know, being outspoken about it or, or at least advertising that they are. Um, it's funny sometimes that they're not willing enough to, you know, I have friends of mine who listen to the show, but they're, they're like very secretive about, <laughs> Oh, I can't, you know, I got to turn my screen away from people right. so they don't see me hit play on this straight up gay podcast page. So, and I understand where they're coming from. I know the uncomfortableness of, you know, people questioning, well, why are you listening to that kind of thing? So I get it. I, I don't want to make right. anyone feel bad, but I appreciate them listening nonetheless. And I hope that they're willing to share the show and, and get to know more about trans people and more about uh, gay and lesbian people. So moving on, I know we got to roll through this real quick here. So what about being, or what about our society and culture makes you hopeful for the future for you as an LGBT person or LGBT people in general? What makes me hopeful is 
how much we have seen just in the past couple months the outrage and outcry of our you know of the United States right now who are just i mean there's so many of us who are just in complete and utter dismay and we're talking about it <laughs> and um and so from you know from this bad thing we are we are rising up and resisting and and speaking about the thing and speaking up about what we believe in and and in addition to that i would say kind of like people in their i would say probably the highest range that i'm noticing at least i could be wrong um you know in their starting in their very maybe very early 40s to their you know, to the 15 year old bracket of people is who you're seeing speaking up about things and promoting genuine love and acceptance and respect, true, true, actual respect for LGBTQ folks. And they're not afraid to talk about it. And they're in, and they're teaching their, their spawn <laughs> as well, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> so it just, looks like while we are somehow we did end up with this administration that is seemingly looming so heavily over what appears to be a of anti um lgbtq yeah i think i think personally we're seeing the death throes of this anti lgbt kind of position where um, i agree I think that, you know, the reason why they're pushing back in, in, against trans people is they know that they're losing ground and they're just mm -hmm. looking for any foothold to get back, get back their, their society as they knew it, you know? And I think this Absolutely. is just, they're just striking out at anything they can before they're, you know, they're out for the count. And, you know, for them, that's very scary, but I, I you know, I don't think that, you know, in the end it's going to be for the, for the worse, I think is, you know, being more accepting of people uh, for who they are in our society is probably one of the single greatest things we can do for our society is, is to kind of eliminate that strife between our citizens based on who they love or who they like to, you know, rub their genitals against. <laughs> so, uh, and I think it was Martin Luther King. I, I might be wrong here, but he said the moral arc is long, but it bends towards justice. And and I think that's as appropriate for any situation as it was for the civil rights movement as is as as it is for the LGBT movement. That you know, as time goes on and people become more accepting, and the younger generation, you know, generally you know wants to be accepting and 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 inclusive for LGBT people. That as our generations you know go on and the older generations die off, that you know, we're going to become a more just and accepting society. So I can definitely see where you're going with that. Um, yeah. um I, I ask here if you had any kind of professional assistance with you being a trans or not trans, a, a gay or a lesbian woman, you know, and um, you said that you did see a psychologist, but it wasn't strictly for LGBT issues. I know sometimes trans people have difficulties and so they often need to, or sometimes need to see a psychologist, but mm -hmm. you did see a psychologist, but not strictly for your LGBT stuff. No, I didn't. I, I did see, you know, a psychologist. Um, the irony is that my dad sent me to ungay me, but my psychologist was like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do that. Well, okay. Real quick, man, I, we're so out of time. What's ungay me? <laughs> um, I'm being a little bit facetious, but you know, you, you hear about conversion therapy, which is very, very, very severe. Um, but yeah, we watched a documentary on that on 2020 the other night. I think my dad had hopes that this psychologist, because he knew that she was of a relatively conservative Christian faith, that she would try to dissuade me from my homosexual feelings. And 
he had kind of hoped. Let's just put it this way. It was ironic that the, about a week after I came out, he started sending me to this psychologist who I know personally because I, his former best friend, well, his best friend who's now passed away, that was his wife. And I knew who they were. I know what they believe in. But when I told her, she said, well, why do you think you're here? And I said, well, I don't think my dad wants me to be gay or I might have said bye, whatever. And he, and she said, well, we're not going to undo that or try and talk you out of that because that's not reasonable. So let's talk about other things in your life that you're grappling with and let's just do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Well, that's yeah, good. I, yeah. I mean, he had had hopes. I, I just, I just know him and I know his, I know his strategies and I know the way he thinks he had hoped to, as I say, ungay me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I thought that was actually like a thing, right? Okay. I get you. No, so. no, no. <laughs> okay. So here's your chance to plug anything. If, if any of the listeners, you know, both of them, if they want to reach out to you and uh, maybe contact you, uh, how can you be reached? What's the best way to reach you? My email address is Smith R E. So that's Smith and then R as in Rachel, E as in Elizabeth at uh, 2010 at gmail.com. Okay. And then my Twitter is at R-E-S-L-E-S. -E -E so res les. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's what that's supposed to mean. So that I guess that's your initials in lesbian. Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. It was pretty convenient. So I've used it for just about anything I can come up with. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. And so uh, what about any organizations that you want to plug? You know, uh, I try to include links on my blog page of all the organizations that people share. And so do you have any organizations that you are fond of that you want to plug? Um, yeah. If you just want to, um, if you go, if you go to, as, as the, as the folks say, the Google and you type in um, Summit LGBTQ, you'll find um, the that's my local um, LGBTQ center. It's for Cleveland area. Actually, don't do Summit. Just do Cleveland LGBT. That's going to come up easier. And like I was saying, any kind of local or any kind of local LGBT center is really important because that's a place for kids. Um, so wherever you are, Google your local one, your nearest one, find it. If you can't donate money, donate time. Okay. Yeah. And it says you got here the Cleveland LGBT Center, the LGBTCleveland.org. Yep. That's it. Yep. Okay. So I'll put that up on the blog page. And so that's pretty much it. Um, I right. really want to appreciate, you know, tell you that I appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for being here. You're a very interesting person. And I hope <laughs> that you can find, I think we're probably going to do the show with the um, D1P guys. Okay. on uh, on a Tuesday evening. Um, but I'll give you more details. I'd really like it if some people could call in and uh, and give their input. I'd hate for three straight guys to be talking about LGBT characters, <laughs> you know, on a, on a, on an LGBT <laughs> podcast. So I definitely would like some input from an well, LGBT person on that show. I would be more than happy to be there. And it's been great being here. So thanks for the time. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks. And everyone out there, I want to thank you guys for listening. And just remember that we're all allies. We can make the world a better place for everybody, including LGBT people. We just have to stick together and remember to be supportive of one another and especially look out for those who are being bullied or oppressed because they're LGBT. Thanks for uh, Rachel for mentioning the Cleveland LGBT Center. I will definitely be putting links up for that. And so if you want to check it out, feel free to go to my blog page at www.straightupgaypodcast.com. You can email me at major at straightupgaypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at sugpodcast. And I'm also on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash straightupgaypodcast. I try to give updates on there from time to time about upcoming shows and things that I've talked about on this show. So feel free to join me on social media. 
And remember, the show is all the past episodes are hosted in iTunes and Google, so you can find the show there. And the actual audio is hosted on Pinecast, so you can go on there. Uh, I have a link to it from my, it's the web address is hard to read out and make sense, so you can just go to the blog page, straightupgaypodcast.com, and there'll be a link to the audio there. And I host the most recent episodes that I put out on SoundCloud because some people were having problems with Pinecast, so you can catch the latest episodes on SoundCloud. Rachel, thanks for being here. Everyone, I had a great time talking to Rachel, and I wish we had more time, but man, it's just gone so long. (laughs) So thanks for being here, Rachel. It was great talking to you. Yeah, thanks. Have a good one. And I will see everyone next time on episode 15. Hi, Mom. I'm really scared right now, but I have to. At age 13, my mother knew I wasn't straight. She didn't understand, but she had so much to say. She sat me on the couch, looked me straight in my face, and said, you'll burn in hell or probably die of AIDS. It's funny now, but at 13, it was pain to be almost sure of who you are and have it ripped away. And I'm sorry if it's too real for some of you to fathom, but hate for who you love is not exactly what you'd imagine. Uh, And I guess it was disastrous Cause everything that happened afterwards was just madness Locked away for two years to keep me on the inside Because she'd rather see a part of me die than me thrive And it's tougher when it's something you can't deny And ignorance teaches us it's something that you decide You're driven by your choices, an optical illusion Here's to understanding that it's not always confusion And I can't change Suffer beneath every single hand that chooses Ignorance, fuck your religion Fuck constitutions, fuck superstitions There are no lakes of fire, we're here on earth And the only thing to do is put love first And so I stand for the boy who died by his hand To the sound of his father screaming woman loves man This is Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve And I stand for the girl with the cuts up her sleeve And a heart in her hand and that chip on her shoulder And I stand for it all until ignorance is over This is for you, for knowing who you are For never letting your magic outside of your heart Be you, be brave And understand that things do change I accept you for you when I don't understand And I love you for you This is who I am I accepted you for you when I didn't understand And I love me for me Just don't get it. 
Love is love, there is no difference Not a medication to fix it, there is no prescription No rehab to visit, it is not an addiction It's love, and it's selfless It's yours and everybody else's so don't badger and abuse the solemnly defenseless See us as yourself, there's no equality and difference Until we all get it, we'll be drowning in the same blood This fight orientation, we all feel the same love We'll be drowning in the same blood This fight orientation, we all feel the same love and labeled before we're ever able to speak who we believe we are or who we dream will become like drum beats forever changing their rhythm I am living today as someone I had not yet become yesterday and tonight I'll only borrow pieces of who I am today to carry with me to tomorrow no I'm not gay no I'm not straight and I sure as hell I'm not bisexual damn it I am whoever I am when I am it loving whoever you are when the stars shine and whoever you'll be when the sun rises so here's to being able Here's to love, here's to loving just because, here's to acceptance, here's to never fearing the fear of rejection, here's to love and never neglecting who it is you feel you are, here's to bullies because beatings cannot last forever, here's to the moment that you realize things do get better, here's to the parents who will get it when it's too late, here's to second chances, here's to new fate. Here's to every single moment you've ever had to hide you. Here's to the single star shining bright inside you, asking you to guide you. Here's to who you'll be when you've figured it all out. Here's to momentary doubt. Here's to feeling, because we all feel it the same. Here is to the moment that things will change. Because we all feel love, we all feel it the same. Here's to love. Here's the change.